This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levac. Death by PowerPoint has become just so cliche, yet not a day goes by where we see yet another eye-rolling slide deck. Our guest today has expertise on the topic of visuals dating back to the days of the 35-millimeter slide. Remember those carousels, Ryan? Absolutely, sure do. And our guest will be telling us how he can take our slide presentations from that painful eyesore to delectable eye candy. Ryan, who do we have on deck with us today? Today's guest is David Henson. Dave helps speakers and businesses to present with vision. As the slide presentation man, he now designs and produces beautiful presentations and also runs masterclasses to teach people how to step up their presenting game and become good and effective visual communicators. Dave's article, Five Basic Tips for Effective Slide Presentations, can be found in the February 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. A fellow Toastmaster himself, Dave is a member of Bromley Speakers based in Kent, England. Dave Henson, the slide presentation man, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) I know we were joking about the 35 millimeter slide, but obviously at some point that transitioned to PowerPoint. So Dave, to start us off, I'm just wondering, how did you get into slide design? And of course, the eventual transition to what we know today as PowerPoint. Originally, I wanted to be a photographer, so I started off working in a photographic laboratory uh, doing colour printing, and eventually was transferred to the slide department, where we produced 35 mil slides on a kind of Nikon on a stick, so it was all done with cameras in those days. Um, And I started my first company in 1986, called the Regent Slide Company, and bought an Apple IIe computer, which was £7,500. It had two typefaces and 64 colours. But it was great. It worked really well. And we produced, you know, hundreds of slides for our customers. Wow. Dave, it's been quite a while since you first began with slide design. Do you use the same design principles that you started with 30 plus years ago? Or have they changed over the years? They have changed dramatically, I would say. The reason being is when I started my slide company, the clients would send us a written brief normally faxed across and then we would work from that to produce the slides i'll be honest they were bullet point slides because that's what the customer sent to us so we would produce what the customer sent Mm. and this was really in the days before i learned how to communicate so i was just sitting at a computer and producing i have to be honest probably death by powerpoint for the people that were in the audience (laughs) we didn't really care about the people in the audience we just did what our customers wanted and i suppose since then i've gone from poacher to gamekeeper now so i've completely changed the way that i do things and and how i advise my clients so yes the, the design principles have changed very much so so it sounds like somewhere along the way you probably had one of those there has to be a better way moments yeah and i think that happens when you actually sit in the audience and you're bored to tears by a tedious presentation and you think this isn't working, you know, you see people staring out of the window or looking at their phones or we're still getting up and walking out of the room in the middle of a presentation, then you know there's something wrong with your slides. So yeah, (laughs) it was quite a while ago now that uh, that kind of dawned on me that you don't communicate in that way. It just doesn't work. It isn't effective at all. I think we can all relate to that experience of, 
yeah. being in the audience, being bored to tears. What would you say, David, is maybe the most common flaw that you tend to see in a presenter's use of slides? I think the most common flaw simply is that people read from their slides. So they'll put all of their text on the slide and then read it, which is very ineffective, obviously, because first of all, the audience is reading and listening at the same time. So you've got this kind of cognitive exhaustion as you're trying to read and listen at the same time. You often get the presenter turning around and looking at their slides on the screen. In those instances, the presenter really should just say, here's my presentation. You can read it off the screen. I'm going to go and sit down, have a cup of tea, and let me know when you finish reading it. <laughs> the slides really should be like a partner on the stage. The slides should be the, the presenter's partner, not clashing with the presenter. Imagine that you're on the stage with another person, two people presenting on the stage together, and you're reading a script or doing a speech, and they're doing exactly the same speech at the same time, but twice as fast. You're both saying the same thing, but one is going twice as fast as the other. Hmm. You're in the audience, you're going to be scratching your head thinking, what the heck is going on here? And that's exactly what happens in using the partner there as a metaphor for the slides. If you've got your words on the slides, that's exactly what's happening in the audience's mind. They're listening to you as a speaker, but they're reading your slides, and they're probably reading point five while the speaker's still on point two. And it's just this clash between the reading and the listening think about your slides as being your partner what would you want your partner to be saying or showing to the audience if you were talking about a particular subject and then translate that into your visuals your visual communication that is such a great metaphor dave i had an experience just a few weeks back when i was watching a webinar and the slides had all of the bullet points come up right as the slide loaded and I found myself getting agitated sitting there because I knew all of the points that were going to be covered. And yet I had to sit there and wait <laughs> for yeah. her to go through each of them and explain. And it's such a small thing, but it really impacted in a negative way my engagement with the presentation. Yeah, I totally agree. The excuse that people give is that, well, I need to give these slides to the audience as a handout. One of my big mantras is if your slides work as handouts, then they don't work as slides. You really need to produce the handout separately to the slides. And some people say, well, that means twice as much work. But actually, it doesn't really, because what you can do, particularly in PowerPoint, you can put what the audience wants to read in the notes section. You can use the slides and the slides will work for the 10, 20, 50 minutes you're presenting. But the handouts is something they can take away, sit down at their leisure and read and understand. So keeping the slides and the handouts separately is really important. Okay, so in the article, you use the example of a camera, and there's a picture of a small camera and a whole bunch of bullet points with lots of text. We'll make reference to the article in the show notes. But Dave, I'm curious, is there anything wrong with having bullet points, maybe less text? So for example, one of the slides that you have, the do not do slide, you have one bullet point says, it contains a large bright display that can easily be seen in full sunlight. Perhaps just have the words large, bright display as a bullet point and then elaborate more in the notes? Is there a balance to that? Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of interim thing. You'll see from the first slide, there's five bullet points. As you say, the first one says it contains a large, bright display that can be seen in full sunlight. And my version of that is to take those three words, large, bright display, put them onto one slide with a picture of the back of the camera showing the large, bright display. So that's the way I would do it. But I mean, as an interim, it's probably the second best thing to do is to have large bright display as a bullet point 
and build the points up one point at a time. That would also work. But the reason I use the picture is because, in fact, it's very similar to the way that Steve Jobs used to present when launching a new Apple product. You would have a big picture and the minimal text that he could then talk around. So he would say, if he was presenting that camera slide, our camera has got a large, bright display, and then he'd give all the technical information about it, and so on and so forth. And again, that slide on the screen is congruent with what he's saying. And the important thing there is my other point that I make in the article, which I think is really important, is to use one point per slide. On that first slide, there's five points on that one slide. Now, as you suggested, you could build those points up one at a time, which is kind of the same thing as one point per slide because you're building them up. So each time you're showing one line, you're speaking about it and showing the next line and so on. But if you think about one point per slide, it can be a really useful way of thinking about it before you produce your slide. So what I've done is then produce five separate slides, each one with a big picture and the minimal text on the slide so that the speaker can talk around that point and give more detail. And then if they want to give a handout at the end, they could give that first slide, maybe designed a bit better, but they could give that first slide, maybe with even more information so that people can take it away and read it afterwards. Okay, so an alternative to having one full slide per point would be the buildup, because I'm thinking quite often the idea of less is more, because you end up in a situation where if you've got, let's say, 10 devices, let's say you're doing a technology presentation and you're talking about cameras and microphones and speakers and a whole bunch of other things, if you have five or six slides for each item, like if there's five slides and there's five devices, you're going to end up with 25 different slides. And then you come to a situation of saying, okay, well, how many slides is too many? Well, okay. So the the, the point there is that if you've got 25 slides rather than five, does that make it worse or better? In my mind, it makes it better because you're still putting all that information in the presentation, but you're just cramming it all into five slides rather than separating them out. So when people say, how many slides should I have? It's kind of an irrelevant question. My answer to that would be have as many slides as you want or as few slides as you want. And in fact, it could be, as as we know from speaking at Toastmasters, a speech can stand on its own two feet, doesn't need to have slides at all. If you're telling a story, for example, which you want people to get into their heads and use their imagination, then putting slides in the background will probably harm the speech rather than enhance it. I never say to people, you should always use slides. In fact, I always say, start off by writing the presentation without even thinking about the slides. And then when you read through it, if you think that you've got a point in your presentation that could be, um, well, I, I use an acronym, RICE, reinforced, illustrated, clarified or explained by the use of a slide, then that's a good candidate for firing up your laptop and PowerPoint and producing the slide. Otherwise, I would say don't be afraid to to go blank. You know, the screen, that is not not you as a presenter, obviously. (laughs) But don't be afraid to go blank and just to talk without using slides. Could you repeat that acronym one more time? (laughs) Yeah, it's reinforce, illustrate, clarify, explain. So it's RICE. Oh, that's great. It's funny because we're talking about how many slides when Ryan and I were doing our prep. Ryan, didn't you Google how many slides and you got all kinds of different answers, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, there were a number of different suggestions out there. If you should have, you know, one slide per one minute or one slide for every three minutes of your presentation, <laughs> lots of different ideas out yeah, there. I think that's all nonsense. The slides are there to a communication job. You use them when you need them, as you need them. If you've got to put a slide on the screen for five minutes because you need to talk about something complex, then that's fine. If you need a slide on the screen for 
the two seconds, that's fine as well. Those rules of thumb don't help in any way at all. Well, I, I think that goes back to your analogy as your slides as a partner. Like just hearing 25 slides, that sounds overwhelming. But when we look at it, and it's almost giving the audience little bite-sized pieces that they can easily take and digest, it actually feels like the exact opposite of overwhelming when I think of it in that context. Yeah, agree. And, you know, you could, you could put 200 or 300 slides in the presentation, or you could put two in the presentation. It, and if it's done well, the audience won't even notice how many slides there are because it will be communicating a point that you're making. I think these rules of thumb are, are not useful at all. They just hamstring you to a certain extent. I think, you, you know, you end up thinking, well, how am I going to do this in 10 slides? If I, need, I need 11 slides. How am I going to get this? And what ends up happening is you take the stuff on the slide 11 and put it on slide 10 because someone's told you you can only use 10 slides, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Arbitrary. Yeah. It is. You may have heard of the 10, 20, 30 rule. That's if, you, if you've been Googling it, you yeah. may have come across that. Use 10 slides, speak for 20 minutes, and don't use anything smaller than 30 points. What if your boss has told you you've got to give a 30-minute presentation? Then that throws that out of the window straight away. And then, again, hamstringing yourself by saying how many slides you should be using is daft because yeah. you might end up thinking, well, you know what, I can do this presentation as an inspirational talk, and I don't even need to use any slides. Yeah. That model you just referenced, by the way, going back to Apple Computer, it was attributed to Guy Kawasaki. Who that's it. That's it. Yes. Apple. I couldn't yeah. remember his name. Yeah. Guy Kawasaki. That's right. Yeah. And I think he was using it, to be fair, talking about doing a pitch presentation. And if you're uh, doing a pitch presentation, there are certain slides you would use. For example, you would outline the problem. You would outline the the solution, the market, the finance. There's certain slides that you would use. So it kind of makes sense in that context, but it's been taken out of context by all sorts of people now to say this, this is the rule for any slide presentation. That's another subject, taking yeah. things out of context. I was thinking that guys like me who are very forgetful that I do use my PowerPoint as a prompt, but I was thinking back to speaker I was listening to recently, and I can't recall who it is. I think it might be one of the world champs who had said that might have been Craig Valentine. He was talking about how he had to give a presentation to a class in California and they had decided to take it outside. And of course, you can't see anything in a bright sunny <laughs> day in California. Yeah, yeah. So, he, so he had to make sure that he relied with no slides. So related to that question, I'm just wondering, is there a time where you should not use any slides at all? So as I said earlier, if you're doing a story and uh, you know it's telling a really good story and you want people to use their imaginations, then putting a slide on the screen can get in the way of that. Now, if it's, if it's a personal story, you know, you're talking about a trek you did up Mount Kilimanjaro, for example, then showing pictures of your trek could help it. But I think if you're telling a story that relies on people's imaginations, then you don't need to use slides. And also, going back to that acronym, if the point you're making in a talk doesn't need to be reinforced or illustrated or clarified or explained, then maybe it doesn't need to have a slide. There's some people who say, well, I never use slides. And there's some people who say that they always use slides. And what they mean by that is that they always use slides. So they'll use it throughout the whole presentation. They won't think that, oh, no, I need slides for that bit because that's going to really help to uh, explain what I'm talking about. But I don't need slides for this next bit. So I could, I could just you know, blank the screen for that next bit or stop sharing my screen if you're on Zoom, for example. I think that it's a matter of working out whether the slide is going to enhance your message. And if not, don't use it. And your point, incidentally, about using slides as a prompt, as we know in Toastmasters, sometimes when we first start, we use notes, and then we're encouraged not to use notes. And in that way, I suppose PowerPoint 
is acting as your notes. So my suggestion would be absolutely no problem to use PowerPoint as your notes. Just don't inflict them on the audience. <laughs> just so unplug the projector or stop sharing your screen. So you can sit there and you can read from those notes that are in front of you. But basically what you're doing when you're putting all that text on a slide is you're showing your audience your notes. Wow. I keep thinking about that RICE acronym. I think it's so effective. In fact, when you mentioned it the second time, when you reinforced it. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. Brought me back to a presentation. I think it was someone who was doing a speech about a train disaster or a train wreck. And the only slide they had was a picture of the train. And that's what kept it in focus the entire time. So the one slide really brought it home. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that is just that, that works. That works so well. You know, you, you often see pictures, and, and using pictures is a very powerful thing to do. From a practical point of view, putting a picture on a slide actually means that there's less space for text, which is always a good thing. A picture paints a thousand words, so I think that using pictures properly. I mean, there's lots of things you can do wrong when using pictures, but using pictures properly can really help to enhance your message and be a good partner for you on the screen. Yeah. When you watch a newscast, sometimes the commentator is speaking and all you see quite often is one slide or one picture. Yeah. Yeah. In in fact, that's that's actually a good point, Greg, because I often say that, you know, when you watch the news, look at how they do it. So if you think about the graphics that they use on the news or the film or the pictures, Think about them as being their slides. So there's some points where you just see the newscaster on the screen not using any graphics or slides. So that's basically where they're not using slides. And then suddenly you'll go to a graphic where they'll put up maybe two or three simple bullet points that they're talking about. Other times they'll go to an outside broadcast. And that's the way that they present. So they're presenting, effectively, you could say there's times when they're not using slides or graphics or video, whatever you want to call it in that context. And there's times where they are, where it enhances their message. Super. Dave, a few minutes ago, you mentioned Zoom. And I mm. wanted to ask you, what design choices do you take into consideration when you're doing an online presentation versus an in-person or hybrid presentation? Yeah, I think for the most part, you would stick to the same design principles. Well, I always say keep things simple. This is what I bang on about all the time. But bear in mind that if you're on Zoom or on Teams, there'll be people looking at it maybe on a small screen, sometimes even on a phone. So if you're going to be using a slide presentation, you need to make it even simpler so that it really it can be seen on these small devices. There's also an argument to say that you possibly need to be a little bit careful with using animations, which is a shame because animations properly used can really help to get your message across and make it more effective. But, of course, sometimes they get a bit choppy and a bit annoying when people are watching animations on a screen. But keep the animation simple as well. So keep things simple, make things nice and big. And I think that's probably the best rules for using slides in an online presentation. I can remember several years ago when PowerPoint added a bunch more animation options. Suddenly (laughs) everyone was designing their slide with, let me have this bullet fly in from the left and let me have this one tumble (laughs) up from the bottom. Oh God, yeah. (laughs) What I would say there, Ryan, is simply this. I've talked about rice as being when you should and shouldn't use slides. Also think about rice as when you should and shouldn't use animations. So Mm. does the animation that you're using 
reinforce or illustrate or clarify or, or explain the point. Because sometimes people will use an animation at random, just put it on the slide because it's, well, for no reason at all, really. You know, let's have that title spinning in because it looks great. But is, <laughs> is there any point to that? No, there's not. So, you know, use animations wisely. So, again, think about the news. Sometimes they'll have the title will appear and then maybe a text point will appear and it will just fly in from the left. Then the second one flying from the left, one point at a time. That's purposeful animation, yeah. and I think that's that's a good way of using animation. But there are too many people now who think, yeah, like you said, oh, we've got all these new toys to play with. Let's use all these animations in one presentation. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. PowerPoint does have a lot of features, many of which I'm sure a lot of people never use. And I think animation, some people don't use them perhaps because they're not sure how to use animation. Could you recommend a resource that people could use to help them get comfortable with animation? Well, it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, well, I've done an animation webinar on a few occasions, which has been recorded. So I'm happy to provide a link to that. And it goes through, you know, how you should use animations, how you shouldn't use animations. And it shows some kind of creative uses of animation in PowerPoint. Well, thank you so much for that, Dave. We'll certainly include that in the show notes. It's almost like we've just scratched the surface. If there's one thing that the audience can take away today to help improve their presentations, what would you say that would be? What would be on your one slide? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would yeah. be on my one slide? Yeah. Well, my, one, my big mantra, as I've said, is if your slides work as handouts, then they don't work as slides. That's always been my biggest mantra. I think one point per slide is the other one that's, that's catching up fast with that in, in my mind. I think those two, I know you asked for one point, I've just given you two. I've built them up one point at a time, you see. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so keep your slides, Keep if you think of your handouts and your slides as being separate things, that will immediately transform the way you think about presenting when using slides. And then if you think about just putting one point on each slide, that will also have the same effect. <laughs> I can just imagine you as being my evaluator at my Toastmasters club. I'm wondering what it's like to be a member of your club. I've done that several times. People do ask me to evaluate their slides. And I say, well, I say, well do you want me to be honest or do you want me to be polite? <laughs> I can see you put a lot of effort into these slides. I salute you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You have to, because you have to do the old commendation, recommendation, commendation sandwich. And sometimes you look at the slides and you think, how am I going to say something good about these slides? But <laughs> you just have to. <laughs> so it's obvious you didn't join Toastmasters to improve your slide decks. I'm sure there was another reason. Well, I, I was quite a nervous speaker back before I joined Toastmasters, and Toastmasters transformed that. So now I'm very comfortable being on stage. I'm also a member of the Professional Speaking Association here in the UK, which is part of the Global Speakers Federation. So it's taking me on a big journey. And getting back into the slide presentation thing, because I did have a sort of 16-year sabbatical running a web development company, but getting back into the slide presentation thing has been great. That's really thanks to Toastmasters, because it was really when I joined Toastmasters that I thought, you know what, even good presenters use bad slides. And I know about this stuff, and I can help them to change that. You know, Dave, I know you have a lot of resources on your website, articles, links to content. Yeah, I do. I'm in the middle also of putting together an online course at the moment, which just coming towards the end of writing now, which hopefully will be going live in the next few months. Awesome. Folks, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have, there's lots of takeaways here. 
Please, please, please ensure that you share this podcast with your friends and family. And you can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Ryan? Dave, can you share with our listeners where they can find your website? Yeah, of course. It's theslidepresentationman.co.uk. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I do a lot of stuff on there. So love to do that as well. That's super. Once again, Dave's article, Five Basic Tips for Effective Slide Presentations, appears in the February 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. We'll certainly put links to the references that we made today as well. David Henson, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure too. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.